everybody. This is Stephanie Ruper. Thank you so much for tuning into the Naked Humanity podcast, where we take a deep dive into what it means to be human in the modern world. Today is episode number 46X, and I am going to be talking about insignificance. Now, insignificance is interesting because it is a big problem for us, and it's something that we talk about a lot. Sometimes we talk about it like it's a good thing, and other times we talk about it like it's a bad thing right? When you look at the stars and maybe you realize how big the universe is, which is actually what the question is about, perhaps you realize that we are small and insignificant. And does that scare you? Does that make you feel better, right? What, what are our responses to this idea that the human species really in the grand scheme of things doesn't appear to matter much at all? How do, how do people cope with that throughout time? How are we coping with it now? What do I do about it? These are the types of things I'm going to address. So I have a question to read. It is a very short one, uh, short and impactful. I think it's a pretty powerful question. Um, it says, hi, Stephanie, do you ever think about how big the universe is and feel like we're so small and insignificant? Does it make you scared? That's it. That's the whole question. And... I have a lot to say about the idea of insignificance. So historically, now I know that I say this sort of thing all the time, but it's so much bears repeating. Historically, this is not necessarily a massive concern of people. Of Obviously, throughout different cultures, it has varied, uh, and the idea has been interpreted in various ways. But generally speaking, people haven't really started worrying about the insignificance of humanity uh, until recent centuries, let's say. And especially it often ha now happens in the context of science, right? We see religion as this phenomena in which humans are involved, right? Our own ethics participates in this grand narrative, say, of the end times coming or uh, Jesus or Muhammad or whomever, right? All of these different sorts of figures, our roles in our lives, we're roles in the plan that they have, that they are participating in for the universe. So we see religion as something in which humans are quite significant. And we see science as a realm in which humans are radically insignificant. And we understand that in many ways, this is pretty true, right? So if you look at evolutionary timescales, Earth has been around for a handful of billion years. Life, a smaller handful of billion years. Humans, a tiny speck at the end. There are millions upon millions of species. We don't yet know how many. We have no idea. Maybe 10 million. Tons of species. And what, what, are, what are humans? Destroyers? <laughs> I mean, some people think that humans are um, special because we have complex thoughts. Uh, we have a particular kind of awareness. We have self-awareness. Uh, we have religions and myths and narratives and all these sorts of things. Yes, there are unique things about the human species, but uh, are we special in a cosmic sense? That's a little bit harder to justify. And then there's this question of size and the scope of things. And yeah, you look at the stars at night and you're like, holy crap. You know, you don't just see the stars, you see the spaces in between. And you know that they're millions of light years apart. And you know that the universe stretches for incomprehensible you know, amounts of time and space, billions and billions and billions of years. 
And uh, yeah, it can make you feel really small. I actually, speaking of my personal response to these ideas, I actually have a tattoo that is meant in part to capture this idea. I have a, um, for people in the video, you can see a little bit of it actually uh, on my collarbone. Uh, it's a tattoo of the Little Dipper. And again, I have it for many reasons, but one of them is to remind myself constantly um, of our location in the universe, of the fact that yes, we are very small, but I also think it's very important to remember that we are a part of the fabric of this thing, this whole universe thing, whatever that is. You know, they often say we are stardust and that's true. Everything is stardust to be fair. And stars are just burning balls of gas in the sky. But there's also something very romantic about it in terms of us being sort of unified or at one with all of these massively flung items and, and forces in the universe. So that, that bears meditating on. So I want to break this idea of insignificance down into uh, two primary categories of how people deal with it. Uh, one category is, yay, we're insignificant. And the other category is, crap, we're insignificant. Uh, and I, there are the responses, I think, are valid on both sides. So the first camp is one that you'll find often in Buddhist thought, and particularly in Western appropriations of Buddhist thought, which is very different from the vast majority of Buddhist thought you will find in countries that are actually practicing Buddhists. A topic, I keep trying to get PS, I keep trying to get uh, experts on Buddhism in the West to come on the podcast to talk about how crazy, unique Buddhism in America is compared to Buddhism everywhere else in the world. But uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding one that is not like extremely busy. And they're all extremely busy because there's so much for them to talk about right now. Uh, just a quick aside, but that's forthcoming. If you have questions about it, you can ask. I would do an X episode about it, but I honestly don't know. I personally don't know that much about Buddhism, so I need to bring on an expert to talk about it. But the Buddhist response I do know is uh, generally speaking, yes, we're insignificant. That's great uh, in a sense, because what we are actually seeking is dissolution, right? The self is an illusion, and you can stack this up against neuroscience. And to reiterate, this is not uh, necessarily what people, everybody who ascribes to or identifies as a Buddhist uh, would believe, you know, this sort of correlative nothingness that goes along with neuroscience. But you can make it work with some parts of Buddhism, and that's how we talk about it in the West. So I'm going to go with it for now. Um, and there are some similarities, you know, throughout, throughout the Buddhist world. So there's this idea that the self is an illusion. Stephanie Ruber doesn't really exist. I've built up this idea. I've been given this idea, say perhaps by evolution that provides me with the ability to have memories and stream of consciousness thinkings. I've, I have this idea that Stephanie Ruber exists. She's an entity. She needs to be important. But the Buddhist question is, well, does she really? is true peace actually relinquishing your attachment to yourself? Is it actually letting go of your need to be significant, your need to be important, your need to endure forever and sort of melting into oneness, letting yourself go. This is nirvana, right? This is the end. This is the escape. 
from this trap of, of seeking significance. Some people find this very beautiful. I personally think it's a very helpful way to tap into deeper ethics, right? You sort of dissolve your own needs when you realize that maybe your experience of selfhood is an illusion. Okay, I don't need to have an ego. I don't need to be famous. I don't need to have a lot of money. I just need to exist harmoniously with the people and the creatures around me. Yeah, that's a beautiful idea. And that can be very helpful. I personally have had a handful of experiences in my life that lasted a few days at a time in which I felt myself dissolve and I didn't really feel the need to speak much. And I just sort of walked around and felt this like overabundance unity with and love for the people around me. Uh, to be clear, I wasn't on anything. I just was in this sort of meditative trance. And it's a very beautiful perspective. And I think something worth digging into if it feels like it resonates with you. Um, so there's that, there's this one perspective. And then there's this other perspective, which you could, again, very simplistically say it's more of a Western centered perspective of, of needing to be significant. But I think that that's a radical oversimplification and probably false when it comes down to it. So maybe let's not say that, but I, it is worth bearing in mind that there is an association between Western thought and like the concrete individual needing to exist and be significant. There is an association, but we can, we can break that down. And uh, I can tell you about how and why that, that is a thing. So generally speaking, in Eastern and Western traditions, and this is pretty, this holds pretty true, generally speaking, in Eastern traditions, Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, uh, Far Eastern traditions, and their conglomerations therein because they have been deeply interactive throughout time, especially in China. In these traditions, the self is not very centered. Some people actually think this is because rice cultivation requires greater cooperation than wheat cultivation, which is very interesting. And communities needed to work more together and set up these uh, cooperative irrigation systems. And in any case, the religious, spiritual, political milieu that develops out of China and neighboring regions throughout the last few thousand years is quite uh, cooperative and about relationship and being in right relationship with your family, with your local community, with the overarching government empire, all that sort of stuff. It's about relationship. So the self is decentered. And so in that sense, it goes along with this Buddhist idea. I was mentioning Buddhist idea. I was mentioning about insignificance, about the dissolution of the self, about the pursuit of Nirvana, which is just blank nothingness and the sort of uh, peace or release uh, liberation that comes from that. In the West, there has for many thousands of years been the idea that individuals have rights. And the focus has been on the, on the individual basically since Greek city-states. And of course, back in the day when there were Greek city-states and there was a, a citizen class, rights only belonged to a few rich, landowning, head-of-the-family dudes. Over time... Other people in society became aware of this concept of rights and people like Jesus came along and radically overhauled it. And we're like, yo. And then of course it took thousands of years for us to sort of mull over that idea, try to embed it in our societies. 
and it's a very complicated history, but the individual does have rights and salvation in Christianity is very much about personal belief. Like you have to participate in a community and follow and have allegiance to the church throughout much of history. But generally speaking, your salvation, your redemption from your sin, your life in heaven, all this sort of stuff is predicated on your personal ascription to a belief. So the individual is very centric in feelings, longings, Western spirituality in general. And even though Christianity is no longer singular and no longer necessarily dominant in the sense that like everybody ascribes to the same narrative period, uh, this emphasis on individual belief is still very strong. And it has, of course, permeated all of our political institutions. And so what do you do then when traditional religion collapses, science arises, and we realize that we're just little specks of biological material hanging on to a rock that's hurtling through space? What do you do do about it? You can, in some ways, still envision yourself as significant. And this is my personal way of dealing with it. I do appreciate the ideas of insignificance and self-dissolution, and sometimes I practice them, as I mentioned earlier. But I also see a way for us to be see ourselves as significant, and it is to recognize that even though we are incredibly small, even though we are short-lived, uh, probably, uh, even though we are all of these things compared to the night sky or whatever, We still are beings that have the ability to create beauty and we have the ability to experience love and we have the ability to enact altruism and care in a way that is quite unprecedented. And we make choices. There's a chance that we are determined. There's a chance that we don't have free will, but I think maybe we do. And it's important that we act as if we do. And we have the ability to choose good things and to decide what is good and to introduce beauty and goodness and truth and all of these deeply profound things to a cosmos that may otherwise be stark and empty and indifferent. Now, maybe that's not a particularly comforting thought because many of us would really like for the cosmos to care about us. And maybe it does. I'm not saying that it doesn't. There's a lot of very beautiful, sophisticated ideas that are religious or spiritual or what have you that I think are coherent with science and just radically underappreciated or um, not slotting in appropriately to the zeitgeist in today's world. But generally speaking, from what we can tell, maybe it's indifferent, the universe. and that's okay. Cause we're not indifferent and we can be these little sparks, these little flames of things that matter, that make a difference, that determine the shape of the cosmos that in some way or another participate and contribute to create uh, warmth uh, in the world and change the shape of how the universe unfolds. So I actually really like that a lot. And that's a big part of why I work really hard and uh, that that works for me. And so that is the more individual-centric, significance-centric way of coping with this sort of malaise of insignificance that we're looking at in the Western world. And again, it is entirely because we have seen the collapse of these traditional systems that held up the individual and its own salvation is really significant. And then there is the other side, which is the Buddhist, more Buddhist-type, Confucian-type 
dissolution and uh, turn away from personal significance towards immersion uh, with with the larger collective. So that's all kind of really, really fantastic, right? I'm going to leave it at that. If you have questions, please let me know. Please uh, ask a question of the podcast. I love that I got this question that was deeply probing about the universe and also a little bit about my own experience. Uh, Feel free to ask about anything. I have questions about uh, love in the queue and more questions deep about meaning and stuff. Uh, And I'm always, always looking for more questions. So please do write in. If you want to do that, all you have to do, you can get at me at any of the ways I always recommend Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can also go to stephanieruper.com slash form. The link to this is in my Instagram profile. If you want to submit a question anonymously, so please do that if you want. You can also email stephanie at nakedhumanity.org. And of course, another reason to get at me at any of those locations is if you want a free book. It's not hard to win the giveaway. Hint. So. If you write a review of this podcast, I would be very grateful. And I would also like to reward you with a free book. So I will enter you into a giveaway. Send, Take a screenshot of your review and send it to stephanie at nakedhumanity.org or any of those other platforms. And you can get into a free drawing for a book. Uh, the woman who won this week, uh, Zany Janie, very cool name, has requested Shirley a Joking Mr. Feynman, which is a beautiful hysterical set of tales by this uh, larger-than-life physicist named uh, Richard Feynman, who I I highly recommend checking out the books. Uh, Surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman. Yeah. So one way to get them is to write a review of this podcast. Another way is to just go check it out on Amazon. Do either of those things. And uh, please do always be in touch. I will be back next week. This has been episode number 46X. And I have one more quick note I'd like to share with you. I, as I have been saying, uh, talking about the reviews of the podcast and the like, I really like talking about quality work. I really like promoting people. I don't, I have told you many times, it's actually, it's very important for the people who do good work that you talk about it. So when I work with people who are particularly talented, I like to mention it and make recommendations and you never know who could benefit. You never know who could benefit when you write a review of the podcast, right? You never know who could benefit um, from hearing about this. So I once worked with a designer. Her name is Miranda Wagner. I will link to her name and her website and her Instagram in the show notes. Uh, She's a very... She's just a very talented designer. That's really all I have to say. Uh, She was very helpful for me in coming up with developing the ideas about how we were going to present Naked Humanity. And I, in doing so, was able to not just participate in her thinking about my brand, but see how she was thinking about other people's brands. And she's very, very talented. So if any of you are looking for a designer, uh, get in touch with me. I can put you in touch with her or uh, you can go to you can go to the links that I provide, Miranda Wagner. You can also just Google her and go to her website. Um, she's got a beautiful MW logo that's hard to miss. So please do check that out if you are interested in graphic design. If you are just interested in seeing some really smart graphic designs, um, yes. And please do get at me if you have any questions about working with Miranda or what have you. I'm very happy to give that shout out. And I'm very happy and honored and excited that you have stuck with me uh, throughout this podcast and these few show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. And this has been episode number 46X. 
For more, of course, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. You can listen to the rest of these podcast episodes uh, and also there on YouTube and pretty much any podcasting platform. Thank you again so much. I will talk to you next week.